Hey guys, welcome back. BDC Care here. We're back with another weekly Q and A uh, that we did in fact miss last week for, but we are we are coming back. Last week you were quite sick. I was. I, I mean, we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. The convention was a great experience. Mm -hmm. The drive there was bad. The drive back was even worse because I mm -hmm. caught something, and I was I haven't been that sick in ages. Yeah, and I have a midterm tomorrow, but uh, we've we've missed one week. And so the show must go on tomorrow. I have a social psychology right. midterm. And we're making up for it. We did post an extra multiplayer uh, play video. Mm -hmm. But anyways. But getting into it, uh, this, you might have noticed, if you're new, I can't imagine you would be, but I said Q&A, and it said P and Q and C and A and T. Those extra letters are just because we like being coy. Uh, the important one is the P, which stands for Podcast and Patrons and Patreon. And you can reach this podcast on all major podcasting platforms by checking the links in the description if you are currently on the video. Yeah. Q is for questions, obviously, which is how this all started. Uh, C is for comments, because not everybody says something worth, who says something we're talking about is asking question. A is for answers. And T is for talking, because sometimes we just like to ramble on. And yeah, that's yeah. our excuse. There we go. Getting into the first question, this one comes from Jonathan Hung, and it's a bit of a long one, but I think it's worth a read. It's a, it's a nice question. I want to read it out anyways. Okay. Uh, Jonathan says, Hi guys, it's been a long time since I commented. I've been really busy with real life changes and had a new baby girl earlier this year. Congratulations. It's too bad. That's us saying congratulations. That's us. Yeah, not Jonathan. <laughs> uh, it's too bad there haven't been many injustice updates this year. Anyway, on to the questions and comments. These are sort of old as I've been catching up on your videos intermittently. You mentioned trying to finish a season in the top 10 during the summer. What were your motivations? More exposure for your channel? Bucket list item for injustice? Testing your limits? More free time for both of you? The metal cards in Valorium were harder to farm before, and you mentioned that you were going to aim to max elite them. Now that Phantom Zone is more regular, two weeks on and two weeks off lately, have you reconsidered trying to have the best ones at Elite 3 or Elite 4 to get maximum battle points in multiplayer, and they would be evolved with max out passives and specials. It's probably too late to mention this, but I think you guys usually film the Thursday recaps in the afternoon after the new challenge is available. You can advance the time zone to find out the characters eligible for Breakthrough starting Friday. Hope that your channel continues to be enjoyable for both of you, and that there's still a couple of updates left for Injustice. So, before I get to the rambly parts, the thing about the Thursday and Friday, um, it is interesting. Like, sometimes it seems like it's late enough that it works anyways. Yeah. But the last time I tried it, it would give, it gave me last week's gold, which is weird, which never did that before. Yeah. So, I guess we'll play around it's with it. It's a little bizarre. Yeah, so it's worth looking into. Yeah. And, yeah, so definitely congratulations on that. I mean, clearly, life priorities, um having a new addition to your family is way more important than playing Injustice or commenting on our videos. <laughs> By a small margin. Um, yeah. So the, uh, the idea of finishing, it wasn't so much top 10 as top 3. Mm -hmm. And the reason I was sort of playing around with the idea was just to do it for the sake of doing it to get the um, one of those badges that you can use to customize your account. So there's a special badge for 3rd, 2nd, and 1st place if you finish the season. I mean, yeah. you can get right up to the top at the beginning of the season. If you just finish the fight at the right time right basically. And, and and i think we've both done that on the on our accounts but it doesn't it you don't get the badge it says you know best rank yeah is number one yeah but you know that no nobody really but it cares. doesn't mean anything it, yeah yeah um all right so i don't know if you remember but for the longest time i mean it feels like a long time ago we we didn't do thursday recaps because thursday was a bit of a, a dead zone for both of us mm -hmm. right um we both had had and have 
a lot of commitments on Thursdays. Although I have a little less now because this semester I do actually have Thursdays off school. That's true. Um, but it, it took us a while to figure out how to, to fit a recap into our schedules, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and ultimately you can't get away from the rhythm of injustice itself, right? Because a normal Justice Week has the new multiplayer season on Wednesday yeah. and the new challenge on Thursday. So the best day for recaps is Thursday. I mean, you, you sort of could make an argument for Friday too because there's been a number of the updates that have dropped on Thursday or Friday. Mm. But updates happen so rarely that, you know, Thursday probably is the best. It gives people the chance to find out what's going on, decide if they want to do something for that season or just like take a break. Yeah, and especially for both multiplayer season and for challenge characters. Right, right. Um, so interesting question about the medals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're right. The Valorum alloy, it's been enough now that we can definitely max out two different medals, um, on the completely clean account. So when I say clean, I mean no glitching to play Phantom Zone repeatedly, just playing the, the three replays that you get by spending the, the nth medal. And so far, I mean, what you this is actually the clean account. So you can see with having bought no nth metal packs yet, that um, yeah, if if we were so inclined and relying on the nth metal packs instead of just the Phantom Zone rewards, mm-hmm. we probably could get somebody up there. Um, and I guess if there was something sh- fun to to show, or something maybe. Uh, a little less obvious, yeah. it definitely would be worth I'd be more motivated. But So here's the problem. And maybe if I play more, I'll change my mind, right? But from playing around with this hacked accounts, the single best metal card is Batman Ninja Catwoman. Mm-hmm. None of the others are even close. Like they're just not... They're not as powerful. They're not as fun. Um, you know, eh, Shazam's kind of interesting because he gets to come back to life. But, you know, that's a, a defensive passive. Yeah. Which is uh, not our general play style. Yeah, and none of them really, like, Catwoman is sort of ridiculously good where she gets that boost that stacks in time, right? Where mm-hmm. she can boost her, her damage and drain at the same time. Um, yeah. And if anything, right now I'm itching to finish filming the teams that we've already been playing around with. And we did the, we just posted one a couple days ago, and we've got three more ideas and one I think that's ready to drop soon maybe on the weekend yeah um so hopefully hopefully i do have i have a midterm uh this is tuesday night when it's going up i have a midterm on wednesday and i have a midterm on saturday so i'm i'm a little oh, packed that right sucks. now all right so yeah. uh you want do you want to mention what your midterms are on uh yeah okay my midterm on wednesday is social psychology which i am fingers crossed is not going to be too bad and then saturday is uh statistics which you know, intro to statistics, which again is hopefully not awful, but you know, it's still work. You got to put the time right, in either right, way. Right, right. I mean, I I guess the the good thing about stats is that uh, there's usually a right answer. The good thing about stats is that we're allowed an eight and a half and by eleven uh, cheat sheet double sided or age sheet they call it. Um, that you're they're allowed to bring in with you on the exam, which means that I can write everything on that because <laughs> uh, I don't know. If people remember, if they've been watching for a while, 
uh, a while ago, I did a calc exam in which I had a four centimeter by eight centimeter sheet, and I managed to write down pretty much everything for the <laughs> for the year on that. So with this, I'm writing down literally every definition in full as it's written in the textbook, and I think I'll have space for pretty much everything. Now, does it have to be written, or could you print something so you could really get the font small and have it be really clear? I think... I don't know. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm writing it out anyways because writing it out helps me memorize it. Right, And right. then you don't need to, you know, and messing around with formatting would take so long. Right, that's true. As to probably be inefficient, and I think we're running out of uh, black ink <laughs> as a separate consideration. <laughs> All right, that that's totally legitimate. Um, so th this, yeah, I mean, it's funny how much our doing these videos feeds to get more questions because despite having taking a week off it's not like we got more questions that are uh fodder for this yeah so what i wanted to talk about was a few things one is last week's uh, convention two is yesterday's um election results in, in canada in canada the federal election and three is the um, the raptor season starting yeah but maybe so maybe we'll start with the easy stuff that's probably got broadest appeal so the canadian election results mm -hmm. so the the previous liberal majority government lost yeah. a few seats they are now a liberal minority government which i think is reasonable all things considered well all right so speaking of reasonable t you were telling me a story yeah just the other day about somebody like somebody you knew from school yeah yeah so somebody i i knew from school who was not sure how they're gonna vote and they were leaning towards uh conservatives and I was like, you know, I think ultimately I still am of the stance that the most important thing is that you vote. And I think that, you know, people I agree with should definitely vote and people I disagree with should also ideally vote. Right. I mean, obviously, right. uh, you have a bias towards the people that you support winning. Right? right. But at the end of the day, I think it is best for everybody if everybody voted. Right. Right. And uh, that is the best way to actually get a good representative democracy. And if people happen to have opinions that I consider to be wrong the majority of the time, then I have to deal with the fact that most people disagree with me. Right. right. But I think that should still be sort of like how the how politics works. And I, you can right. argue for or against, you know, Th that idea right of whether people should be allowed to be wrong and who they think should be in power right but i don't think there's really any great way of not letting people be wrong because then right. you just end up doing right. whatever right you basically just say other people aren't allowed to be wrong because i'm going to impose what i think is right on everybody so i think there's a couple of big takeaways from that right one is the idea that um we should compare the choices that we have and not what we wish we had yeah and that proportional representation makes so much more sense but the yeah, first the, past the post is pretty uh yeah but the inertia of, of that first past the post means that there's very little motivation to change because whoever gets in the power did it on first past the post yeah and they're likely to be giving up some of their their power like for example i do believe in this election that the liberals lost the popular vote to conservatives I think they lose a popular vote. Like, whoever wins the government almost always loses. They've got the plurality. So there's an important idea of plurality being the most out of multiple options. Like, the no, highest. No, I don't. I'm, what I'm saying is I think liberals got less votes than conservatives in this election. Oh, you think so? I think I read that. Yeah, I'm I, not 100% sure, but I, I believe I read that. I know that it was polling so that the, the liberals had um, were actually a little bit... They were neck and neck and that they were a little bit higher. And that may be true, and it almost doesn't matter the way it's set up, right? 
because without proportional representation, what it means is winner takes all and that it's possible to have some votes not count. And it also means that you've got stuff to, there's techniques to manipulate the system outside of actual cheating. Um, but if you, well, actually gerrymandering is cheating, but I'm thinking more yeah. along, along lines of like faking votes. Um, but it, it, if you had first pass the vote, or first past first the past post, the post yeah. uh, gerrymandering would be much more difficult, right? Because each vote would actually count. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I th- <laughs> I have a group of friends that have a group chat in high school, um, f- or have a group chat from high school, and right after the election results, there was a bunch of people just repeating F first past the post in the chat just because it's so frustrating. Sure. Um, and I think a lot of people are aware of it, and that's one of the things, you know, that Justin Trudeau did promise... Uh, voter reform right yeah is so here's the thing right so just because you're frustrated with justin trudeau because of what he promised and didn't deliver yeah and because of how much of a, a, a of a, a tool he turned out to be as a, a younger adult yeah i think there's a lot of really valid reasons to take issue with the behavior and decisions and previous actions and a lot of aspects of justin trudeau right and so what we used to th- believe that he was and what we're learning more about who he actually is. It, it's got to be a little frustrating, and I get yeah. that. But if if you're going to say, well, Justin Trudeau, he's not what he promised, or what, what's the, the tagline for the conservatives? Oh, I don't remember. But the, the problem is, Sheer is still worse. Even if, For the same reasons that he, Trudeau is bad, pretty much. Yeah, if, even if you take Sheer at his ideal yeah. and say how he represents himself is what we expect to get. Yeah. Right, which is never true of a politician, right? Mm-hmm. Always something always comes up because if if we just did take the sort of optimal version of them, then Trudeau would still be good. But Sheer, um, I mean, he's basically personally anti-abortion. Yeah, but he's what he promised that he wouldn't uh, like revisit it, which is just such I don't know weak sauce. Like it, the the idea. So he's. All right, so let me get back to sort of a fundamental idea that bothers me, is that when politicians come into power promising they're going to cut spending. Yeah. And to me, there's a problem with the ideology of cutting spending for the sake of cutting spending, as opposed to cutting specific programs because you think that they're no good or they're not working. Yeah. Because I totally get that. If if you think there's a program that in principle is no good, I, I can get behind that even if I don't agree with you. So yeah, you I think th- there's there's tons of systems that are even theoretically good ideas that in execution are not good. Right. That, and it would be reasonable to say, well, we're looking at the data. This is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, get rid of it. Right. But then when you say, well, you know, these programs are fine. We're just going to give you less money to do what you were doing before. That's just plain dumb. And I think what... what these the politicians and the people who vote for these politicians lose sight of is the fact that the job of government is to actually spend money on common goods yeah and if they don't do that then there's no point in government that if you're gonna just cut for the sake of cutting then all you're doing is screwing over the people who have to implement the programs Mm -hmm. right you're giving you, you know what it takes i mean I guess the other thing is, if you really think there's waste, then your idea should be that you're going to look at uh, streamlining stuff, um, taking advantage of, you know, economies of scale so you can deliver um, universal pharmacare or universal 
pension programs or something that's that's bigger yeah. than the the provinces could deliver. And we're talking federal government here. Mm-hmm. But if you're just going to say you're going to appeal to the sort of the the most selfish part of your constituents to say, well, you're going to get to keep more money because we're going to tax you less or we're going to spend less, then I, I think you've already failed. Like, I mean, maybe that that's just me. Yeah. I mean, not everybody believes I, that, right? I, but I think for sure. And I have no issue with the theoretical application of reduction in spending too. Because I think another thing that you can do is find programs that are more efficient, right? right. I, I think the issue that I have with a lot of the... Uh, conservative ideology of just reducing spending is that I'm it doesn't accomplish like it's there's there's it's easy to say we can just spend less money and it's harder to say we can really sort of put our nose to the grindstone and try to find the most effective ways to do the things the government is supposed to do right right and I think to some extent I don't know if a lot of people's um a lot of political platforms represent that ideology where they say, okay, some stuff obviously isn't working. Let's spend a lot more sort of time and effort into putting things to get together that have empirical results and are shown to be cost effective. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I, I think it's, it's so easy to just say, well, some stuff isn't working and point to the stuff that is, you know, using money unnecessarily. Cause I think everything, you know, every big enough system, every government, right. Has inefficiencies and has places in which you're spending money in ways that you probably shouldn't be. Right. But I don't think the answer is looking at that and saying that's a reason to stop doing the things that we're doing. Right. It's let's maybe try again, right? Let's come right. at it from a different angle. Right. Yeah. It feels very defeatist and defeatist to people who need help and not defeatist to people who already have money uh, to just say, well, we'll just tax you less. Right. Yeah. No, no. Uh, I, I completely agree with that. Um, Maybe some random thoughts too. Just interesting things that happened over the course of the election cycle. I mean, we sort of touched on it. The fact that pictures of Trudeau showed up in in blackface or brownface, yeah, um, which was disappointing. But I mean, it could just as easily have shown up in the last election. Yeah, I'm surprised that it didn't. Considering um, it's not like it was something that was hidden. This was in a yearbook. There were every kid in that school had access to those same pictures. Yeah, and you have to imagine that some people looked at those pictures uh, when Trudeau was running. Right. They said, oh, I know Trudeau. He was a teacher at school. flipped through it, yeah. Right, right. Um, So another thing that was interesting that uh, happened was there was... um, All right, so Maxine Bermier, he was the leader of a new party. It was, what was it, the Canadian... The People's People's Party, I think. People's Party of Canada? Yeah. PPC. Like... PPS, like post postscript. Yeah, like like uh, they're a populist party. So he used to be a conservative, and when he got booted out, and I don't even remember why, he created his own party. the The problem with this party was that he, <laughs> he recruited a bunch of racists. And was, um, that a, was that a bugger feature? Is the question that you have to ask yourself. I guess it depends on whether you're supporting his party or not. Yeah. Um. So the the only good news is that not only did they not get any new seats, ever, he lost his seat. Yeah. So that the that party, I think, got zero seats despite... And I don't think they let them show up to the debate. They did. Oh, did there they? There was the first oh, wait, one no, no, that no. Maxine Bernier actually oh, got yeah, to show up to the debate. So he's a climate change denier. He's, he's more than 
I mean, he's... They almost made people not, like, run stuff on climate change because he was a climate change denier. They made ad companies not give information about climate change because it was considered political speech. Right. Which because was that one particular party, his, was denying yeah, climate change. because acknowledging that climate change existed would be political speech against his party. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. If just saying, I am dubious that this thing exists, is uh, grounds for people to not be allowed to make ads about it, somebody could just say, I don't, I express doubt that Coca-Cola is a real product, <laughs> and no Coke ads would be able to be run in Canada. I know it's slightly different, it's a yeah. false equivalency, but it's just ridiculous enough that it doesn't feel like as much of a jump as it should be to ban yeah. Coke ads for uh, <laughs> political speech. Yeah, this this was a really interesting election in general. I mean, Maxine Bernie was one of them, but there were a bunch of high-profile um it's not quite independence, but non-major parties, like defections from ma- from the major parties. So Maxime Bernier yeah. was from the Conservatives. There was also uh, Jody Jody Wilson-Raybould, the uh, Minister of Justice, or previous Minister of Justice mm. for the, um, the Liberal Party, and Jane Philbot, who had a bunch of different things. But they were two Liberal ministers that were booted out of the party because of the whole SNC-Lavalin affair. Yeah. And I I don't really want to get into that. Because it's a lot to talk about. It's a lot to talk about. I think it's not that interesting to most people. The The general idea is just that um, Trudeau was accused of putting pressure on um, one minister to act in a way that she didn't want to. Yeah. She was supported by another minister, and so Trudeau decided to boot both of them. Yeah. And... What's interesting is, so that's three really high profile, um, I won't, I, I don't know how you want to characterize it. Is it defection? Independence? The, well, sort of, like, Maxime Bermier had his own party, right? Yeah. And they, the the other two ministers did, Jane Philpott and Jody Wilson-Raybould, did run as independents, but it's more just that they were, they left the party, um, whether they're booted out they're or like shoots almost. Yeah, sort of. But they were pretty high profile, and how they played out was all so, so kind of weird, right? Yeah. So there's one that made his own party that totally failed, so nobody in his party got elected, even though he had enough of a profile to get into at least one of the debates. Yeah. And field a lot of actually um, prominent candidates, even though they won nothing. Yeah. One got reelected, Jody Wilson Raybo did, mm-hmm. as an independent, and Jane Philpot lost. But what's interesting about Jane Philpott is that in her riding, which is Markham Stoville, yeah, she was running against the previous member, uh, provincial member of provincial parliament MPP. Is that what stands for? Member of provincial parliament. So in the whole Doug Ford wave of for the Ontario elections, where he identified as a conservative, even though really he's sort of not. He's just his own kind of um, dude, dude, uh, troglodyte. Um, so she lost, Helen Jazik lost her seat in the same area as Markham Stoville yeah. as a liberal after having represented for years. So she came in and ran against Jane Philpott in the federal election. Yeah. So I think part of the reason why I think Jane Philpott otherwise would have done pretty well, except she was running against somebody who had brand recognition in the area who'd served also just like her. Cause a lot of times it's the incumbent that has the advantage, right? Yeah. So she's because people aren't super motivated to learn uh, more about their representatives. Right. So she ran against another incumbent, technically not an incumbent, but somebody who had the same kind of recognition as a an incumbent. Com- incumbent adjacent. Right. And they were both doctors. 
Yeah. And they both served the community and they both served well. Only one now has the imprimatur of the Liberal Party. Yeah. Which I guess counted for something because clearly the, Evidently, the liberal, yeah. liberal one and the, the independent lost, even I'm, though she used to be a liberal. Yeah, I'm glad that both independent won in this case, or sorry, in, um, liberal won, but independent put on a good showing. I think it was obvious that people were showing dissent f- towards, you know, uh, the liberal government in general, expressing displeasure in one way or another, right? But it, it's not like it split the vote enough to... Uh, swing at conservatives. To let the conservatives in? Yeah. Yeah, because, all right, so the, here's the ridiculous thing. I mean, spe- our perspective is obviously skewed. We're in Ontario, right? Yeah. And there's not necessarily a lot of ties between the federal liberals and the provincial liberals or the federal conservatives and the provincial conservatives. Yeah. Even though their branding is sort of the same. Yeah. Because the federal conservatives, I think, I mean, in my mind, they don't really, did I say conservatives or liberals? Oh my god! I can't remember. It's all it's all a blur. You know, when you say a word over and over enough times, and it's it lost meaningless. all meaning. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, the federal conservatives are technically not really conservatives, right? Like they, they're they're the they used to be a Western party called the Reform Party. Then they became the Canadian Alliance. Then they, when the Conservative Party, the federal Conservative Party, actually died down, the the remaining leader of the Conservative Party merged with the, um, the Canadian Alliance. And so a lot of it is really just the the representatives and the principles and sort of I guess the agenda of yeah. the Western Canada uh, politicians, which is weird and interesting at the same point because it, you know what it's like it's like when one company buys out another company so they can get their brand. Mm. And then they use it so that they can um, market under that particular brand. And at, at some point, they may even decide, well, now that we know they everybody can recognize us as people and as the that brand, we can start dropping the old crap. But in this case, they've kept it. They've kept the conservatives. Yeah. Because I guess it still means something. Um, I, what was the point? Oh, the point I was getting <laughs> I back know. was that, that what's weird is, so what was also interesting about this election was I've never seen it played out before where a big part of the play, at least in Ontario, was pushing how crappy a job Doug Ford has done, who's our premier, yeah. as a way to say, yeah, you know what? You may be disappointed in us, but do you really want more of Doug Ford? <laughs> which is which is a fair point to make, actually. It was unexpected, but... <laughs> yeah, and it... I mean, it's almost like... Because the answer to that question for us, if it's been unclear, if our political stance is unclear, if you don't know Doug Ford, uh, the answer to that is no, we don't want more Doug Ford. But So what's interesting, though, is that the way they played into it is that it's almost everything that he did, outside of just not saying it, they actually, um, when I say they, I mean the federal conservatives and the provincial conservatives played into the idea. And it's almost like they're agreeing with him because Doug Ford... Um, What's the word for parliament? They suspended parliament until after the federal election, until next Monday. Yeah. Um, Doug Ford was not present to help uh, Shear campaign in Ontario. And in fact, he pulled Jason Kenney. I think Jason Kenney's Alberta, yeah. Manitoba, somebody like west of us, to come into Ontario to help him campaign. I mean, it's sort of the exact opposite where um, uh, Wynne, uh, is it Elizabeth Wynne? Not Elizabeth. Kathleen Wynne. Kathleen Wynne, that's it. So the previous premier of Ontario... Um, was actually helping Trudeau campaign when he was running last time. So it's just, 
it's weird, right? That yeah, it's he, a bizarre that, situation so a little bit. That Doug Ford was actually willing to hide out. Shear was willing to not bring up Ford at all or not even involve him in the campaign when it's it's actually pretty common to find a little bit of support from, you know, the locals, even if it, if they're not involved in the federal government, that there's, again, there's a whole brand thing, right? Yeah. Brand recognition where, so, you know, you're, you're both red liberals that you can, um, you know, sort of... You're both ostensibly on the same side. Right, so that you can leverage some of your support for the other person. As much as there probably isn't supposed to be sides as there are, right? Right. It's just an unfortunate reflection of reality that it's not just, oh, I agree with this person the most. It's really an us versus them thing. Right. So it's interesting. So we were having a conversation, and I've been sort of thinking about it more and more, and I really can't come up with an answer. I'd asked you maybe a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Is there anything that Doug Ford has done for Ontario that is of value that hasn't been a solution to a problem of his own making. Yeah, and the the reason why I can't answer this question properly is because I uh, don't follow stuff enough th- that I feel confident that I would be able to point stuff out because I, obviously, the stuff that I've heard that Doug Ford has done has not been positive. I've not agreed with it, right? But I also haven't, because I haven't sought out information about him, the information that's coming into me is inherently going to be the stuff from things that people decide to tell me and both me and the people I surround myself with tend to be liberal enough that uh, we can agree on the balance that Doug Ford sucks and we're a lot more likely to talk about the bad things he does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I totally get it. Like that the, the really bad stuff is what's going to be the most sensational and that's, what's going to sell papers or, or pay for ads on TV shows or drive the ad sales on TV shows. So it makes a lot of sense, but You'd think that there would be somebody who would, it would be news if they were saying, oh, look at this good thing that they've done. Yeah. At this point when it's just shifted so much the other way, like... I think the most neutral thing that I've heard him do is he changed the Trillium logo, apparently (laughs) in part, uh, just if you don't know, you can Google Ontario Trillium logo, uh, but in part because it looked like it was three dudes uh, chilling in a hot tub. (laughs) Uh, The old Trillium logo, so he changed it to a new one, and the new one does not look very good but i guess after putting the idea that it looked like three dudes in a hot tub um sort of into the public consciousness it's uh not awful for a change <laughs> all right so what's i'll consider that neutral okay con- yeah that's what i was that's what i was gonna say um but the most prominent thing that i get reminded of pretty regularly because i fill up on gas maybe once a week oh yeah um is that there was those gas station stickers that it, there was legislation sorry so let me just read this quote individuals could be fined up to $500 each day or up to $1,000 a day for subsequent offenses. Corporations could be fined up to 5000 a day or up to 10000 a day for subsequent offenses. So this was the idea that they had to put up stickers to say, this is how much paying for gas would cost you per liter as a result of the carbon tax. It was done in blue, which is the conservative color. Yeah. And you have to have a sticker on each of your, your gas pumps or you would be fined. And to me, that's the, it's, it's just so obviously uh, a, a dick move that it, it boggles my mind that somebody, not somebody, a bunch of people in the government said, okay, so this is a good idea and we're just going to go ahead and make sure that these independent businesses have to do this thing 
that's basically advertising for us, and we're going to find them mm-hmm. if they don't do it. Which is ridiculous. Right, because, I mean, besides the fact that it's sort of a nuanced idea that, yes, the federal government is, is taxing gas to try to change people's behavior, but this was originally a conservative idea from maybe like 15, 20 years ago. Um, that carbon taxing was the way to go. And I think it's been shown to be, oh, there's a logo. Here, yeah, I'm pre- the folks should, if they have an opportunity, uh, look up the Trillium logo now because the old one does look a little <laughs> a significant amount yeah. like three dudes in a hot tub. The new one is fine. This is why I considered a neutral or maybe ever so slightly positive decision. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, this gas station. Gas station. Gas yeah. stickers. So that it's nuanced so that the federal government's actually there's a rebate too that's supposed to match it or exceed it so that what you're doing is if people don't change anything they're going to come out a little bit neutral but if they improve their habits so that they spend less on gas they still get the same rebate yeah so this is an economic driver to try to change people's behavior yeah and i mean let's ignore the fact also that a big chunk of our our gas costs is going to be provincial taxes anyways already mm-hmm um, this is just such a, uh, an obvious partisan kind of uh, legislation. Yeah. It, it amazes me that people can get away with that. Oh, uh, there was that one ad too that he released where if you took the sound off, it looked like it was, uh, opposing messages. It was something about like, there was like coins like spilling out of like different places. Um, oh, you're getting money. About, oh, money. <laughs> yeah. And it was about like the carbon tax and it's like how it adds up. But if you remove the audio, it looked like it was saying that the carbon tax was going to generate a bunch of money for folks. <laughs> uh, I think that was, that's a separate point, but it was just, you know, the man's made some questionable decisions. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it's, it's hard for us too, because we live not in Toronto, but you know, close enough that we are affected by a lot of that kind of almost personal animosity that seems to exist between Doug Ford and Toronto. Yeah. Where it's almost like he's doing stuff specifically to screw around with them to no specific purpose. Like cutting down the number of counselors, like, uh, oh, uploading the subway and then downloading it again. Like, it's that kind of uncertainty. Sorry, what is that? So what they said was that they would take over the Toronto subway system, the province would take over the sub, uh, uh, the TTC to uh, pay for new infrastructure spending. Yeah. But then the TTC, I can't even remember what the the, the flip side would be, but they were going to take over it. And then they decided a few months later, yeah, you know what? You, you can take it back, but you have to do this other stuff. Like it was just, I don't even remember the details. What I remember is the gist that what it means is that it makes it very difficult for people to plan when they don't know what the environment's going to be like when they're trying to plan for the budget or uh, LRT or subway system or whatever, where if, because a big part of doing that kind of stuff is figuring out where your funding is going to come from, figuring out what, where your, the capital cost to build it and figure out where your maintenance costs are going to come from and how much um, capacity you have to build and what your expected ridership's going to be in order to justify the kind of money that you're going to be spending to yeah, build sure. it and to maintain it. Um, so it, it, it's in a lot of ways, it's, there's, it's very much like all the other kind of problems that have been created, right? When they decided they were going to uh, cut funding to schools mm-hmm. and uh, increase class sizes. And then 
you know, after the school year says, oh, we were just kidding. That's not going to be right now. But by then, people had already been like, I don't oh. think they said they were kidding. Well, it's not that they're, it, it, it basically amounted to that because they, they did such an about face at the time. That's so, like um, describing uh, when, who was it, Abraham was told to kill his son. That's like describing God as saying, I was just kidding. But, but that's, that is this, basically the same thing, right? Like when you have to push somebody and say, basically it's like psych in the 80s. That's what you'd say. You know, yeah. if you're just going to. Um, ma- really, do really aging yourself here. You, yeah, you try to make somebody flinch. You say psych, um, <laughs> in exactly that tone. I'm exactly sure. that tone. Yeah. So it's uh, I don't know. I mean, I hope I hope that we don't get more than that. But it'll be really telling if um, the conservative. I mean, listen, Ontario was primed for conservatives to come in. There was yeah. the liberals had been in for long enough. There was frustration. Listen, any any government's been in long enough is going to screw up enough that you're going to get tired of them no matter how good they are. And I think uh, Kathleen Wynne was great for if she did nothing more than to shove the minimum wage up yeah. significantly while she was in power. Um, if she did nothing other than that, I'd say that it was a success. Yeah, she did what she believed in while she had the opportunity to, uh, right. despite how it would make her look and how people would view her for it right and, and how i think people, that's super great and how people judged the decision and until it actually happened people had been complaining that this was going to kill business people were going to lose jobs and it, it didn't happen employment rate actually went up year over year yeah. and i think it, it just really reinforces the principle for me that if your business plan relies on paying people a not livable wage then there's something wrong with your business plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for sure, we, de- we definitely have our own bias in whether or not we support what she did, although uh, from everything I've seen, it seems that the, the data uh, supports our bias pretty right, uh, right. pretty well. Yeah, so it's been an interesting year for politics. Maybe we're sort of running a it's little bit longer. It's been an exhausting yeah. year for politics. It is, and that's only if you look at Canadian and ignore the Americans, and it's almost impossible to yeah. ignore the Americans. Politics, politics is... I'm young enough that I can't say has become particularly exhausting because it's been exhausting for pretty much as long as I've been engaging in it. Right. But from the way people are talking about it, it didn't suck this bad not that long ago. Yeah, yeah no, agreed. So maybe it, we're running out of time, so maybe it's better to if we ended on a more positive note. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Last, the whole reason we missed last week's was because we went to Montreal. This. Well, that wasn't the whole reason. It was the sickness after it. Well, it, it all stemmed from that, I guess right? So. I think it, the the this. I think this is the first convention I've been at that that hit me this hard because you know everybody talks about like convention crud. Yeah. Where it makes sense. You're in a, a relatively confined space with a lot of new people, uh, all at once, and the risk of getting some sort of um, contagious illness is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been lucky so far, but man, I have not, I'm still weak enough that I haven't, I, I know that I feel sort of normal, but I haven't really recovered properly because I'm still so much weaker than I was before yeah. the convention, but the convention was great. Oh, it was, it was stellar. We were at Scintillation 2, if anyone uh, was wondering, we've mentioned it previously, but it's just such a great time. There's some really, really fascinating folks, uh, some super interesting panels where people just have stuff to say they have ways of looking at the world that you would not have considered and you get the opportunity to hear a lot of people who have spent a lot of their lives doing something very very specific share with you the cool parts of what they've been doing 
one cool idea that totally blew my mind when I heard yeah. it. It may not, it probably won't be as significant for other people was. Um, it won't be as significant for other people as it was for me. Yeah. Is the idea that your family relationships are non-consensual relationships. Mm. And I thought that that actually explains so much of why family relationships can be completely messed up. I mean, they can be good if the people that you happen to be stuck with yeah. are decent, but why it can be particularly toxic. Yeah, because most other your relationships are consensual relationships. And there's a sort of implicit uh, necessity even past the point where you would be able to technically sever connections with your family right. that you're supposed to not. Right, and th and there's a, a pro and con there too, right? Like, yeah. So it's it's the con obviously is that you end up stuck in with relationships and in toxic situations that you would normally just abandon. Like yeah. at some point you say, yeah, it's not worth it. But on the flip side is that people don't abandon you the same way, right? So because yeah. I mean, I like to pretend that I'm perfect, and I like to <laughs> pretend you? that. I, well, I don't know. Um, it's nobody. Nobody thinks that they're the villain of their own story, right? Yeah. Everybody likes to think that they're a hero. So I know that. I mean, typically when we think about how awful people are being in relationships, it's not me that's being awful. It's the other person. And it's also, uh, that's a thing, fundamental attribution error. I'm learning about that a lot. You can tell that I have a social psych midterm okay. uh, tomorrow where we tend to judge ourselves based off of situational factors and we judge other people based more heavily on dispositional factors. So when we do yeah, poorly, it's because of our environment. Right. And when other people do something, it's because that's the way they are. So when you pull out and somebody haunts you in traffic, you were in a rush or you were stressed or right. you just, uh, you know, there was too much visual information that you didn't see. Right. And when somebody else pulls out uh, and you <laughs> haunt, they're an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. So you, you tend yeah. to judge yourself based off of the context and yeah. consider the context because... Uh, that's, you know, you know all the context and you tend to judge other people because that's the way they are because that's the easiest right. and the quickest way to judge them because so, bad people do bad things. So so that's... Uh, actually, that's perfect because family relationships um, survive your that, that sort of skewed perspective, right? Yeah, that's, that's another thing too is that um, you start and your instinct is to do dispositional, but the longer you think about it, uh, you can actually, with conscious thought shift to a more understanding and situational explanation of behavior. So because you're forced to st stick with these people, right. that initial knee-jerk reaction of saying they do this because they suck uh, can be how you feel. But because you have to stick with them, you're going to end up getting a lot more in, uh, situational data about, right. their situ uh, about the environment too and maybe right. be forced to be around them for long enough that you start to consider the environmental factors more heavily. That's interesting. Yeah. It makes it makes a lot of sense. It does, and now I can. I mean, it, it's funny because I, I have a brother. Yeah. Um, and we never got along when we were younger, but we were forced to engage, despite everything that I would have done otherwise at the time. And we've actually got a decent relationship now as adults. Yeah. And it's. It, it wouldn't have gotten there if it had been a consensual relationship, right? Yeah, because you would have just said, no, I'm okay, bye. <laughs> Actually, I'd rather not. If it was all the same to you, I'd prefer if we didn't. Yeah, exactly. No, so that was... A, I, I'd never heard it framed that way. And hearing it like that at the convention and a panel about families, really, um, it just blew my mind. Like, it just sort of turned on the light in my head. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay, I get it now. Um, I mean, it doesn't change anything, right? The relationships are still the same, but it makes so much more sense in the context of um, why the 
why we're so much better sometimes yeah. in non-family relationships and why it's so easy to take our family for granted. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So there we go. That was a really cool takeaway. There was more stuff, but at the end of the day, uh, we are not going to be able to recapture the magic. We're going to be able to say in a sort of half cogent way, uh, worse versions of what other people shared with us and sort of the remnants of the epiphanies that we had when we heard them say it. Uh, whereas the actual initial talks were where the real sort of interesting things uh, were said. Yeah. And, and it, it, it's it's really cool, too, that even outside of just the, the panel stuff, that you get a chance to see people that maybe you see once a year, mm-hmm. uh, reconnect with them. And I don't know, it's 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 cool to make friends like that yeah it was it was definitely a really positive experience overall uh definitely a welcome respite from the (laughs) things that we've been talking about in this video which is school and politics which are (laughs) neither of them very conducive to you know sort of a fun chill vibe yeah all right so this is the the last fight this is us finishing the phantom zone and seeing what kind of junk we get on the fifth crystal Mm -hmm. apologies to the six people who are uh listening to this right now (laughs) um and I think that's it. Do you... We should... Are you asking for closing thoughts? Yeah, no, I think we should um, give a big shout-out to our patrons on Patreon who help make these videos possible. Mm-hmm. So a huge thank you to Console Peasant, who is supporting us at the highest last word tier. We have Sean Farrell, Daniel Simonson, Aaron Mall, and Michael DeVries, who support us on the credited level. And we have Eddie G and Chris Wolf at the gratitude level. Thanks so much for watching. And we'll see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.